3: This is Jack Spillane from the New Bedford Light, back for the final hour. And as promised, I'm here with my special guest, Mike Florio, uh, local uh, retired teacher and um, uh, paramedic. And he's written a book on his battle with pancreatic cancer. So welcome, Mike. Good morning, Jack. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, I've known you uh, a few months, uh, uh, as a, maybe a year. Or so, oh, yeah, it's been longer than uh, that. Uh, uh, from playing tennis uh, in um, the Fairhaven Tennis Association. But I did not know that you had had this battle with uh, pancreatic cancer. So tell us a little bit about that.
4: So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a type of person that always has lived a healthy lifestyle. Um, I work out just about every single day. And retired from teaching at New Bedford High School in 2018. Uh, continued to work as a paramedic for various local agencies. And in the height of COVID, right around March of 2020, um, I began to take, uh, began to feel ill, and uh, began to lose weight, and had other symptoms as well, and went to my general practitioner on April 8th of 2020 for some lab works and some abdominal scans. The labs came back and it indicated that I had elevated liver enzymes. The following day, I was back in for another ultrasound and they found a mass on the head of my pancreas. I went back to see my doctor. He, uh, he apologized, actually. His words were, I'm sorry, but you have pancreatic cancer. Um, and then scheduled me for an MRI four hours later. The MRI then confirmed the mass, um, and then we began the battle
3: at that point in time. So totally out of the blue, uh, uh, you um, had always been very fit, not a person who was sick very often, and this just, uh, uh, you know, watched what you ate, exercised, and this just came out of the blue? Yes,
4: it did. Um, And that's why uh, the, the book is titled Bad Luck, An Inspirational Journey in the Battle Against Pancreatic Cancer, the book that I had written on my journey. And the reason that I I titled it bad luck was because when I asked my nurse practitioner at Dana Faba where I was being treated, why I ended up with pancreatic cancer, her response was that it was just simply bad luck. And it was an answer that I could accept because I always felt that maybe there was something that I had done that I could have done differently so that I could have prevented myself from getting sick. And it was easier, I think, for me to realize that it There was nothing that I could have done. It just was the luck of the draw and it was just bad luck. And so the book I I wrote, I titled Bad Luck, An Inspirational Journey in the Battle Against Pancreatic
3: Cancer. And, you know, it's funny because um, Mike is a very healthy guy. You know, I I mean, I I talk to you and I I hear the schedule that you maintain and the things that you do and how hard you work out and how careful you are about what you eat. Uh, Much, you know, more conscientious, I would say, than myself. Uh, And so... You're doing all the right things, and it just seems like uh, uh, if there was anything, it's not something that you could have done to prevent.
4: I don't believe it is, and that's why, again, um, f- for me, just titling the book the way I did, um, it just made a lot of sense that way.
3: Yeah, so I had my own small battle with cancer myself. I, I uh, was diagnosed with um pancreatic not pancreatic uh, prostate cancer when i was 59 and and it it was a very small cancer it was well controlled and they they fixed it through surgery but i remember when i was diagnosed um it was just it hits you like a ton of bricks because you're just going along and you, you just can't imagine that and all of a sudden it's there how what was it like for you when when that happened i think it's very
4: similar for probably everyone when you hear that six-letter word, when somebody tells you that you have pancreatic, when you have cancer, I don't think that you hear anything else from the doctor. Um, I remember it being, uh, it was quarter of nine in the morning on April 9th of 2020 when I was told that I had pancreatic cancer. And my only response, and, and I was told after that that I was going to have an MRI four hours later and that I couldn't have anything to eat and um, I asked the doctor, I said, well, since it's quarter of 10, can I have something to eat now? And I had brought snacks with me. Um, and I think I brought snacks to the visit because I couldn't eat prior to the, um, the scan that I had that morning. And I think it was the only thing that I had control of at that point in time. And so I remember going out to my car uh, I, and I ate. I ate the snacks that I had. And then I do not remember anything within those four hours. I have no idea what happened to the time between 10 and 2 when I had my MRI. I don't know if I went home. I, I, I could have sat in the parking lot. I don't recall those four hours. They they were just completely erased from my memory. And then um, I, and I don't remember after the scan what happened after the MRI either. I do remember being home um, that evening, sitting on the couch uh, and, and thinking, what was my next step? What was I going to do? I, um, I started off only really with abdominal discomfort. I, I didn't have a lot of pain, but that soon changed, and I had excruciating abdominal pain. I became jaundice shortly thereafter. Uh, jaundice was, it, was this before you began treatment? It was before I began treatment. So when I, I was diagnosed, like I say, on April 9th, and s- still felt relatively p- pretty good, um, and yet uh, within a week or so, I was yellow and I had excruciating abdominal pain. I was on Vicodin 24 hours a day um, because of the, the severe abdominal pain. And then a decision had to be made as to where I was going to go and receive treatment. And I was given the choices of either going to Dana-Farber to Mass General or to, I believe, St. Elizabeth's. And um, my son-in-law had had Burkitt's lymphoma, and he was treated at dana Faber. And so we made some contacts with Dana Farber, and that's where I eventually ended up going to receive treatment. Well, that's that's one
3: of the best, uh, you know, if not the best in, in Boston.
4: It, it's yeah. yes, it's uh yes, I, I I would have to agree with you. Uh, that would be my obviously it was my institution of choice where I went and I received my my treatment. Um, all in all, I ended up having five surgeries. I had five hours of radiation, which was done under an MRI and i um
3: so did, I, did was, you realize from the beginning it was going to be th- this many surgeries i i did and, not
4: and, and maybe it was better that i didn't but it, you know it, it, it is again what it is um and i had 500 like i say i had five surgeries 5 hours of radiation and i ended up going on, under undergoing 600 hours of chemotherapy the chemotherapy was the worst Um, I would start chemotherapy and I would have a run at Dana-Farber and I say a run at Dana-Farber is that when the chemotherapy started at Dana-Farber, it would last three and a half hours and then I would come home with 46 more hours of chemotherapy. So I would start chemotherapy on a Wednesday and I wouldn't come off of it until Friday. And then I did that every other week for four months. And after the four months was over. Uh, I had five hours of radiation. I then had a Whipple surgery, which lasted 10 hours long.
3: What's, what's a
4: Whipple surgery? Whipple surgery is when they, uh, the surgeon would go in, they remove the head of the pancreas where the tumor was found. They remove the gallbladder. They remove my first part of my intestine, my duodenum. Um, and then obviously they have to sever the stomach from those connections as well. And then they reattach the stomach, another part of the intestine, and the pancreas back. Um, and, and that's it. And then you begin your recovery time. And then they place you on, a, I'm on Prilosec, I'm on Prilosec for life to prevent any type of ulcerations where they did all of the surgery. But the surgery lasted 10 hours long. It was done um, robotically. So I have minimal scarring. Some people have massive scarring over their abdomen if it's not done robotically, but mine was done robotically. So I, I guess I was fortunate with that. I was uh, supposed to have been in the hospital for maybe a, a little over a week, I think, and I was only in for five days before
3: I came home. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, you hear people talking about chemo and, and, and surgery. Was it grueling? Was it grueling? Was it was it just very tough to get through? The chemotherapy was the worst thing that I've ever
4: been through in my life, I think. Um I was fortunate in that I never, I was never nauseated, so I never got sick. I never lost my appetite. In fact, it was the complete opposite. I was hungry all of the time. I, I could never seem to get enough to eat. Uh, but the the side effects um, f- for the chemotherapy it knocked me out for one week. So I remained uh, basically inactive on a couch for a week and a head fog. Uh, I had numerous other symptoms. Um, that I, I describe in the book uh, as to what I what I went through, but um, it, yeah, it just it was a very hard experience, very grueling experience, and nothing I would wish on anyone.
3: Yeah, uh, your book is is uh, subtitled an inspirational journey into the battle. Uh, how did you maintain your attitude, or or did you actually get very down? Sometimes? Okay, so.
4: Um, Psychologically, I was always, I was always up. Um, I I was never, I wasn't depressed. I don't think, I remember thinking to myself that I I know that people, I've seen people with cancer before, um, you know, and people are emotionally distraught. They'll cry. I wish I could have cried. I I never could cry. Yeah. I, and so I just, I, I looked at it in that my only goal throughout this entire journey was to defeat uh, and to win, to win my battle. I have, you know, I have many things to live for. Um, I, I want to be here. I want to, there are a lot of things I, I need to still accomplish in my life. And, um, and so I was going to do whatever it took for me not to succumb to this disease. I don't consider myself, I, I don't consider myself cancer free. I don't consider myself that I've beaten cancer, uh, I just consider that I go one day at a time and, uh, and I hope for the best on, um, on this Monday. So, you know, we talk about cancer and what it does for you. So on this Monday, I will be going back up to Dana Faba. I have uh, lab work and uh, another CAT scan. I get CAT scans every six months. I get lab work every three months. So I'll leave my house at 4.30 in the morning. I have uh, blood work at 6.30. I try to get leave my house two hours early. So I'll be up at 3.30, and I'll be thinking about everybody out there, and I'll be thinking about people that are still in bed and where they should be. And uh, and this is my battle. And so the battle continues. So I'll be up at 3.30 in the morning to leave my house at 4.30 in the morning to have scans, to have Scan anxiety, uh, a term which we do consider a legitimate term, because there will be some anxiety based over the scans that I will have. There will be anxiety based over the blood work, and this is ongoing. So I will have these scans and this blood work now for the next um, the next two more years, because I'm three years out, and um, and then after that, I think after the five year mark, I think I may drop down to every six months for labs and
3: every one year for scans. Yeah I just had to do the blood work um constantly and and um I was um anxious every time I did it too uh uh so um did you uh drive yourself back and forth to the treatments you know and, and stuff like that uh yeah cuz I have heard of people who've done that and I I know when I got sick um they offered me radiation or surgery and I I I just thought there's no the kind of job I have I was still reporting at the time and I just thought there's no way I can be a journalist in the long hours that we have and be driving back and forth to Boston for radiation because I went to Mass General. Uh, uh, so did you do your own transportation and all that? I, I did not. So
4: um, I put myself out there to friends. I put myself out there to Facebook. And I, I, um, I asked for help. And the response was overwhelming. I had many people I have so many people to be thankful for so many friends and family members that stepped up and offered me rides no matter when i needed a ride anytime during the morning anytime during the evening um they were there for me and i'm so grateful for so many people uh what i would do is i would again leave my house about two hours an hour and a half or so early now you have to remember that i did this all by myself because it was during COVID, so there was no one that was allowed to accompany me to any of my appointments. Wow. And so I would have a friend that would pick me up in the morning. We would leave within a two-hour period and they would drop me off at the front door of Dana-Farber. I would then get in to, uh, have all my treatments done at Dana-Farber and I would have somebody else that was going to pick me up when I was ready to come home. And so once the chemo began to run into me, it was exactly three and a half hours long. And so I would call or contact my ride home and give them an exact time as to when to be there to pick me up we continued in this same regard for the entire time that i had chemotherapy and then they even took me to my radiation they i had somebody bring me to all of my surgeries my sister-in-law actually brought me all of my surgeries and i think my son-in-law's mother brought me home after every single surgery as well so uh,
3: the response yeah. from friends and family were outstanding. Yeah, friends and family. Uh, we'll be back in a, a few minutes. we got to take a commercial break and, and hear more from Mike Florio and um, his battle against um, pancreatic cancer. <clears throat> okay, uh, we're back. This is Jack Spillane from the New Bedford Light. I'm filling in for Tim Weisberg today. And we've been talking to Mike Florio. He's a local guy from Mattapoisett who um, has written this book, uh, Bad Luck, An Inspirational Journey in the Battle Against Pancreatic Cancer. And um, he's been telling us about his experience. Um, Mike, uh, we have about uh, three minutes before the news. Uh, Talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, why you wanted to write this book. What, What? so I think the book helped me um
4: psychologically what I did was I journaled every single time I had treatments I ended up putting something on Facebook I had never been on Facebook before uh, my wife suggested that I I went I go on because um she posted that I had pancreatic cancer and there were literally hundreds of hits uh that she had um and so I decided that okay I would I would um sign up for Facebook. And then what I did was I just journaled every single time I had some kind of an event, I would put it out on Facebook. And, um, and that's what gave me the inspiration to write the book. And I think that it it also helped me psychologically to be able to put my things down in writing. I had forgotten a lot of the stuff. I I think I, I, I must've just blocked it out. And I had forgotten a lot of the things that I went through, um, and reading my notes refresh my memory. Yeah. So therefore I was able to compile all those and put them in a book. Yeah.
3: yeah. When we come back from the news, we're going to take some calls and uh, people who have questions uh, who may be dealing with pancreatic cancer, or people who um, uh, uh, may have been through similar experiences uh, will be welcome to call. The number is 508-996-0500. Um, uh, but was it, was it hard to write a book? Because, uh, you know, you're not... I, I have some other topics I want to... When we have more time, we come back from the news, uh, I want to talk about. But was it hard to write a book? Uh, it, was, uh, yeah. an yeah. it was an
4: interesting experience. It was an interesting experience experiencing trying to get it published, I think. That was uh, the most difficult part, was trying to understand all of the logistics to have a book published. And it's published through Amazon. You can find it on
3: Amazon.com. Yeah, very um, easy to order. I ordered it yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> and Brock Cadero, our, our local pancreatic cancer activist, tells me he's already audited. Thank you. Uh so um uh we're gonna uh uh I I'm, I'm just a little bit early for the news, so, so it's always hard to time these things e- exactly. But um uh Ariel, if you are ready um uh, to go, uh we'll we'll go right in.
0: Former President Donald Trump's name appears in the first batch of unsealed documents from the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking case. The documents reportedly have over 150 names of people who've been associated with the late disgraced financier, including former President Bill Clinton and Britain's Prince Andrew. The State Department says it's not seeing acts of genocide in the Gaza Strip. Spokesperson Matthew Miller made the comment Wednesday after South Africa launched genocide proceedings against israel in the international court of justice miller said such allegations should not be made lightly police continue to search for the person who shot and killed an imam in newark new jersey yesterday new york New Jersey Attorney General Matt Platkin says it appears the killing of Imam Hassan Sharif was not motivated by bias or an act of terrorism. Authorities say Sharif was shot several times in his vehicle right outside of a mosque early Wednesday morning. Former Harvard University President Claudine Gay is warning that her resignation this week could be the start of what she called a campaign against higher education. Gay said in a New York Times op-ed Wednesday that her resignation was wrenching but necessary, adding that the campaign against her was about more than one university and one leader. The House Oversight Committee will be getting a classified briefing on UFOs next week. The January 12th briefing comes after members asked for more details about UFOs or UAPs as they tend to be called these days, including any efforts to retrieve or reverse engineer crashed objects. Rapper T.I. and his wife, Tiny Harris, are accused of sexually assaulting a woman in 2005. A civil suit was filed in Los Angeles on Tuesday by a woman who claims the couple drugged her at a nightclub and then sexually assaulted her in a hotel room. In a statement, T.I. said the plaintiff had been threatening to file the lawsuit for three years and that he and his wife empathetically and denied the allegations. In sports, the Patriots' season is about to come to an end. The NFL announced the Pro Bowl roster on Wednesday, and for the first time since 2000, the Patriots did not have a player selected. The Pats will host the New York Jets in the season finale Sunday afternoon. The Bruins will be looking for its fifth consecutive victory when it hosts the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at TD Garden. And after falling to the thunder in Oklahoma City, the Celtics return to Boston for a battle against the Utah Jazz tomorrow night. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6.
1: Overcast skies this morning with a temperature around 30, mid to low 40s this afternoon under mostly cloudy skies. A passing snow flurry this morning cannot be ruled out. Very cold overnight tonight, temperatures dipping into the 20s with gusty winds. Uh, sunny and blustery as we head into this Friday. Temperatures in the mid-30s, it'll feel in the single digits Friday morning as we continue to track that winter storm system over the weekend. Sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM.
0: I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Bye. <laughs>
3: music as uh, we come back uh, to talk to Mike Florio. Um, So Mike, before the break, um, we're talking off air about um, some of the unexpected things that can happen in any um, journey with cancer and battle with cancer. And why don't you talk a little bit about some of those things? Sure.
4: So I think um, one of the things I think I'd like to just talk about is um, when I was first diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, as many other people, when they get uh, diagnosed with some type of a medical problem. They make the mistake of looking things up online. They go to Google and they look stuff up. And I did. <laughs> so, yeah. And so when I looked up pancreatic cancer, if you look up the survival rate of pancreatic cancer, the survival rate of pancreatic cancer is only about 10% for your first five years. The 10-year survival rate is only 4%. And which means that when I look at it a different way, um, I have a 90% chance of being dead in five years and uh, 90 6% chance of being dead in 10. And even if the with the current research and um, treatment availability, even if we were to double those figures, it's still pretty grim. And so I think the worst thing that you can do is to look things up online. And I think
3: that it, it is best just to seek a professional's opinion. Because there's all kinds of stuff out there. Some of it accurate, some of it not accurate.
4: So then... Uh, Again, I went to Dana Faba, and at my first scan, they found that I had spots on my liver. I had spots on my lungs, I have um, a, uh, an aneurysm in a renal artery. They found that I had a very large mass on my thyroid gland, uh, besides the fact that I have an adrenal adenoma, spinal degenerative disease. And I, I don't know what else, but that and, and pretty, this is a guy who's a very tough tennis player <laughs> that, that pretty much that pretty much covers it when you hear that um, when you hear that you have all of these things wrong with you you know for me how do you how do you accept that what do you what do you do with that and so my answer was that it wasn't my problem so I put all of these problems in the hand of my doctor and I just rinsed my hand. I just washed my hands of all the problems that I had. And I said that, you know, and it, it it relieved the weight off of my shoulders because I said, it's not my problem anymore. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will advocate for myself, uh, so that I feel that I'm getting the best treatment possible, but I'm going to listen to what you, what my doctors, what the professionals tell me to do, and I will do what they tell me to do. So, the, um, the only thing that I had uh, an issue with was the, the only concern that they had was for the large mass I had in my thyroid. They weren't sure if that was cancerous. And so following all of my treatment with pancreatic cancer, I had half of my thyroid removed as well. Um, uh, d- during my treatments, again, another obstacle that I ended up with was I did have a port. I had a, port placed in my, I had a power port placed in my chest. That was my first surgery. And I ended up with a blood clot, in my power port, And so that that was another hurdle that I had to get over. And so that I had to be on blood thinners. So then I was on Eliquis. Um, while I was on Eliquis uh, and as I was all done with my cancer treatments, um, because I think of the foolishness of that we all make some of the decisions, poor decisions that we make. I found myself up in a tree. Um, I was looking to cut branches off of uh, from power lines, and I fell out of the tree while I was on a blood thinner. I fractured my radius, my ulna, and my thumb. <laughs> I um, yeah. I and, called, and, and, and knowing you, you're a guy who's going, going, going all the time. I, I, I called Dana to apologize, yeah. and I said, "Listen, you, you guys have saved my life, and I'm just so foolish that I was up in a tree and I fell out. And now what? And they actually said that they were just impressed that I felt well enough to be up in a tree. Uh, five days later, I had my port removed um, and, while I was in a cast, so that was another hurdle so it was just yeah. it, it was just something that it was just ongoing. It was just one hurdle after another hurdle after another that I had to get over um, but again, it was just that willingness to just continue to yeah. move on and to do anything that I had to do in order to defeat any of my adversaries, yeah. whether it be the cancer, whether it be the broken wrist, whether it be the mass in my pain
3: yeah. in the in the thyroid. We, we have some calls in the line, so let's what uh, sure. some of them have to say. You're on the air with Mike Florio.
2: Yeah, well, morning. And I'll tell you, it's, uh, I've read a lot of adventure stories, but it sounds like he's going through a massive one. Uh, I was just wondering if you looked at indoor pollution. or It sounded like so many different conditions that... There, there might be something that, uh, uh, I, you know, for example, indoor pollution, uh, they talk about benzene and formaldehyde coming out of carpets, different things that may be uh, leading to some of these problems.
3: Okay, thanks, thanks for that question, Carla. Uh, did you have, uh, have uh, much, um, uh, did you spend any time trying to figure out what caused it? Okay, so I understand exactly where this caller is coming
4: from because I did. I've I've always thought of that. Um, I'm a former teacher. I taught school at New Bedford High School. And I know that New Bedford High School was built on a waste dump. And I know that there have been problems with PCBs in the area. Um, And I know that the school, while I was there, um, they had, they underwent studies. They found rooms that had been contaminated. And oddly enough, they would close one room down because it was highly contaminated. And yet, the room right next door, there were students in it and they were allowed to stay in that room because that room didn't test positive. So, um, which is ludicrous. Um, but yes, I, I I do have to agree with you, um, that there possibly could have been some environmental concerns that created, that caused the cancer. However, to try to prove that, I, I don't think you can you, you'd be able to prove that. It'd be, very, it'd be a very hard fight yeah. to be able to prove that.
3: I, I remember I asked my sister, uh, who's a registered nurse, and, and she said, Jack, uh, a lot of it is just like there's a cell, and for whatever reason it radicalizes. And it could be any number of reasons. It could be no reason that they can figure out. But you just drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out if you spend too much time on that. Right. Um, uh, uh, we got another call on the line, so let's go to them. You on the year with Jack Spillane and Mike Florio. You on the air, Carla. Hello. Hi, you're on the year with Mike Florio and Jack Spillane.
2: Can you hear me?
3: Yep. Hi, Shawnee.
2: Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Um, oh I'm very sorry for your um what happened to you, Mike. But I had a um similar experience with death. I was close to death at one point in my life, my intestine birth. That's very painful too, but I didn't have cancer. But anyways, um, they found a, a mass on my uh, head of my pancreas, but he said it was benign. So they watched it for a little while, and then it didn't grow. So I haven't gone back. But I think we're all dying; we just don't know when. And when I was had my experience, I looked at it differently than you. I just actually, when I was on my deathbed, I wanted to go. I was so mad that God didn't take me. I was, because there's a better place than here. But maybe your life was, you enjoyed life so much that it was different. I don't know. But now, I just, after that happened, I just said, I'm going to live my life and do just everything I want to do. And I did it. I did what I wanted to do, but I didn't die. So you can't think about things that way either, because then you, you're doing what you want to do, and then you don't have any other uh, things happening to you and then you stop and say wow Mike, I better slow down you know
4: yes so you said that um, you wished that you would have been taken but that was not your choice at that point in time so obviously there's another reason that you're still around and I'm so glad that you're still here and I'm sorry that you had to go through the things that you also went through
3: yeah and and I'm glad you're still here too Shani and we gotta go to a commercial break but we'll be right back thank you Okay, we're back with Mike Florio. Uh, this is Jack Spillane, and we've been talking to Michael Florio, a metaphysic guy who uh, uh, wrote a book called "Bad Luck and Inspirational Journey in the Battle Against Pancreatic Cancer." And he um, has um, been treated with with um, pancreat. He had had pancreatic has pancreatic cancer and was treated for it, and has lived to be living a healthy life now, a very active life. Uh, Correct me if anything of that nope, is wrong. That's all, that's and, all correct. Um, So are there, are there any topics, Mike, because we're in the last segment here, the second to last segment that we haven't talked about that you'd like to bring up? Um, I think, again, I think that you should recognize your body,
4: um, pay attention to those, pay attention to things, uh, cues, and seek medical attention if you deem that it is necessary. You know, I um, when I found... Uh, I had, when I started with initially the initial onset of the pancreatic cancer, I had abdominal discomfort. It was not that big of a deal. It was more, I wasn't in pain. I just had some discomfort. And, uh, just again, knowing my body and recognizing that I began to lose weight. So I started out at 167 pounds. That was kind of like my baseline. That's where I live around 167 pounds. And then looked and I said, you know, I think I'm, I feel like I'm losing weight. Got on a scale, bathroom scale, and notice that I was losing a pound every single day. When I got down to 159 pounds, I became more than anxious. I became actually very scared. And that's what prompted my visit to my, my general practitioner. When I got down to 150 pounds, I could no longer get on the scale. I was too, too afraid to get on the scale. Uh, but at that point in time, I already knew what my condition was. And I think it is vital for everybody out there to monitor their lifestyle, to be an advocate for their own health and their own safety, and to seek medical attention when they need it. To do research, there is, I don't have a problem with anybody, as I mentioned before, going online, looking things up, but don't use that as your medical guide. Uh, There are people that spend decades studying all different conditions and those people become yeah.
3: the experts and so, if you if you're having something that's changed don't wait too long just don't st- do stuff, not wait too long uh, t- time is uh, definitely of the essence and yeah. especially when you're dealing with something like uh cancer okay so we have another call on the line so let's go to them call, call you're on the air
1: hi good morning
3: hi you're on the um, air with mike florio and jack Spillane.
1: Hi, Mike. I actually know, Mike, we're related.
3: Good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. We've had some conversations about our journeys. Yes, we have. uh, With cancer. Yeah. And um, everybody's is different. Um, And the reason I I felt compelled to call is because I battled with breast cancer, and I wanted to urge all women, all ages to make sure that they go for their yearly mammograms because that's how mine was found. I was very lucky. Um, They found it early, but I was told that I would never have noticed a lump um, because it was so deeply embedded. I wouldn't have felt it uh, during self exams. Uh, so I was very fortunate that they found it early through a mammogram. And so that's why I'm calling. I want to make sure that women don't postpone um, because I used to do that and um, urge women to make sure that they keep their appointments.
4: That's that's excellent advice. I would, uh, again, uh, recommend the exact same. And I know that you were trained, treated at Dana-Farber, and I know they treated you well as well.
1: Yeah yeah I was
3: yeah. very satisfied and very happy with that yeah and, mm-hmm. and and you know i um you just have to um not ignore things and I think people there's a uh, a fine line between worrying about everything that you don't have to worry about and when you have a discernible change like losing weight or having an onset of of, of, of chronic pains that you don't ignore it that you that you check for the lump that you do what you need to do
1: mhm. And that's why it's so important to go uh, for women, to go for their yearly mammograms, because I was not high risk. Um, My Mm. mother, no no female in my family had ever had breast cancer. My mother was one of eight girls. Uh, None of them had it. All of those eight girls had girls of their own. None of them had it. None of my cousins had it. None of my aunts. Um, I was the first one.
3: Yeah. And, and so, my, myself, myself, too. Um, uh, no, no history of cancer in my family ever anywhere. No men that had prostate cancer. And then I was feeling fine. The same thing. I had the yearly tests, the, the, the uh, PSA tests and feeling fine out of a blue. He calls me. And as soon as I heard my doctor's voice, I knew that that it was some sort of trouble. I think it is so important Mm.
4: that we all pay attention to our bodies, that we all get regular medical checkups. There is... And this is such an important topic for everybody out there, everybody. There is, um, you know, the the cancer rate is as high as 40% for the entire population. So you can expect uh, 40% of the population that's out there will end up with cancer at some point in their life. You know, I, I'm hoping that everybody is in the 60% that's not, but that's nearly 50%. That's a lot of people that are going to end up with some type of cancer. Mm. And just to hear that word and you know what it was like when you heard the word yourself. So anybody yeah, hears exactly that word. Yeah, exactly
1: the way you described. Yeah, yeah you, I, you I, he, I, didn't, I didn't hear another word after that. My husband was with me, thank goodness, because he told me what the doctor said after I heard those words because I didn't hear another thing. All I could think of was, "Wow, he's got pretty eyes, pretty blue eyes." That's all I could think of because I just kept looking at his eyes. I I saw his mouth move, but I didn't hear anything. Yes. It was like yep. the TV, wow, wow, wow. You know, you just don't <laughs> you yes. don't hear another <laughs> yes. word.
3: Yes. yeah, yeah. It, 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 you do go into sort of a fugue. Uh, you know, a wow, wow, wow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: And before I hang up, I just want to say one more thing. Um, Mike mentioned earlier that people were wonderful and very supportive. And I'd like to reiterate that it's okay to ask for help. And I was amazed at the support that I had to people that I just considered colleagues. And I had never really thought of as close friends became a good friend uh, through my journey because they were there to support me. And that's so important. And I felt it. I felt the love. I I, I appreciated every prayer. When when somebody says, said to me, I'm going to pray for you, it meant so much to me. And every single prayer, every time somebody said that to me, I pictured it as a quilt square. And with every time somebody said, I'm going to pray for you, I pictured a quilt being formed and wrapped around me with love and And prayer, and so that's how I envisioned it in my mind. Um, And so, it's okay to say that you need help, and it's okay to accept help. And if you don't know what to do when someone in your family or in your inner circle tells you that they have cancer, just be there. Being there is is the best thing you can do.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm very impressed that both you guys were able to ask for help because I was not able to. People. actually made me talk and and that was helpful but i i was not able to put it out there and finally uh, a good friend of mine from work she just said it yeah you got you got to start talking about this jack and yeah you
1: know yep. yeah and it's it's cathartic yeah it all right.
3: helps you thanks beth we got we got more, one more break to go to and we'll be right back thanks beth all
1: right have a great one bye bye
3: Okay, we're back, and uh, we have a couple of minutes before uh, the top of the hour, and we have to go to news, so I want to thank you, Mike, for coming in and sharing, which is really a personal story, and um, uh, but a story that needs to be told, and, and um, uh, people can get the book by by, by um, just going on the, their computer and Googling yeah, Amazon. just going to Amazon. And And the book is readily available on Amazon. It's readily available. I also want to um, point out this um, legislation. If you want to call your uh, state rep or state senator, it's House 2182 and Senate 1330. That's House 2182 and Senate 1330. Uh, Those are bills uh, that the American Cancer Society has endorsed to increase the research into pancreatic cancer in particular. And those were sent in by Brock Cordero. Uh, any final thoughts to wrap up, Mike?
4: Um, no, i just like to thank everybody for who's out there listening. Again, uh, pay attention to your body. Um, support whenever you can. Uh, you know, places like dana Faba, they do tremendous research. Uh, they have a, um, I know that they also do a huge fundraiser with the Pan Mass Challenge, but if people don't realize there's also a pan mass challenge called unpaved where they do back roads. They do it on a mountain bike and it's done in the Berkshires. They go through New York state. Uh, There's uh, two loops. One of the loops is a 30 mile loop. Another loop is a 50 mile loop. I believe they run all at uh, one time uh, over one day. And uh, it is a lot more affordable than the regular pan mass challenge. So if you're interested into mountain biking and you'd like to uh, contribute you know, as a fundraiser, then look up the, uh,
3: pan mass challenge unpaved. Yeah. There's all different ways you can, you can contribute in, in taking part in now. One of those, um, uh, challenge races is, a uh, is a good way to do it. Um, we have one more call on the line, but I'm just, I just don't have enough time and it wouldn't be fair to, um, have to cut you off so quickly. So I apologize for that. Um, thanks Mike for, for being my guest. And, um, this is an important topic and, um, uh, uh, Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I hope people are out there if, um, I- any problems
4: if, you, you know, if you're interested in getting the book.
3: Without the ones like you who work
4: tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.